All right, good morning, good morning. Thanks for tuning in with us today. As we get going, here's a reading from Psalm 30. It says, I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. So, Father, we thank you so much for your mercies that are new today. God, we've gathered from, from all over wherever we find ourselves, Lord. We've gathered to worship you as a family, as a church, as one body today. God, may our voices, may the sound of our worship be pleasing to your heart, be pleasing to your ears this morning. May we be a church that touches the heart of God as we sing. Lord, meet us in the spaces that we need to be met this morning. You know exactly where we are, where we need to be met. So we welcome you. We invite you into this space wherever we are. We want to encounter you today, Jesus. We ask this in your name.
Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. my soul 
My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Lord, awaken us to your presence today. May we not just know that you are here with us, but may we encounter you. May we experience you, God. For Lord, it's not our biblical knowledge or our ability to recite scriptures that changes us, but it is your presence. It is our encounter with you, the true one living God, the mighty king that changes us. So, Lord, we want to be changed. We want to be transformed. We ask, Lord, would you meet us here? We hunger for you. It's why we're here. It's why we've tuned in today. Meet us, Lord Jesus.
say thank you one more time for always being good we sing for always being good we thank you for your mercies that are new jesus thank you in spirit and in truth we thank you i'm telling you thank you god jesus we say thank you amen Amen. We say thank you, Lord, for you are good. Uh, no matter what's happening, no matter what the time, no matter what the season, Lord, we say thank you. And that's our heart, that's our, uh, our, our mindset that we want to have as we begin to kind of turn our hearts to being away from just what we are going through or what others even are going through, but to say, Lord, in all things, we give you thanks. Lord, in all things, we love you, and then we cry out in prayer uh, for those that are in need. And so today, thank you for being uh, part of this worship service, for worshiping with us. Uh, just happy to have you to be part of this live stream. I uh, want to welcome those of you that are guests today. Maybe it's the first time that you've been part of a Calvary Church Worship service, we'd love for you to fill out the card. It's a great way that you can start to connect with a little more of what we have going on outside of just uh, this Sunday morning experience. And even for any of you uh, that are out there that would want to just kind of get onto our regular email communication list, that sort of thing, encourage you to fill out the card as well so you can know what's going on. You can put prayer requests on there, all sorts of stuff. So we'd love for you to, to do that. Um, this is the time in the service where we have a chance to be reminded that worship continues through our giving. We have this chance to worship today through, um, through giving either online, you can give through texting, you can give to our general fund, you can give to our REACH missions fund, and you can also give to our emergency needs fund. And there's one real special and specific thing that our emergency needs fund offering is going towards right now as we care for, as always, as we care for people within our church community and our surrounding community. But one exciting thing is something that we're starting this week of this pop-up food pantry, where Tuesday from 3 to 5 p.m., we have this opportunity to have a drive-through food pantry with uh, groceries. We're about, we have about uh, a week's worth of groceries for about 150 families. So a few things about this. We would, one, love for you to donate towards this. We already had one person donate towards funding this entire first week. Uh, so give to ENF to help fund this ongoing food pantry. Uh, but then also, uh, another thing is just that we want to be able to serve you. If you are in need, come through this drive through food pantry. Very simply receive uh, a week's worth of groceries uh, for your family, and then also spread the word. We want to make sure, number one, that we don't like have people not know about this and not receive this incredible gift. And so uh, just excited to be able to share um, from what we have with others. And it's a really cool movement that's happened really around Orange County of, of all of these pop-up food pantries that we're excited to be part of. Uh, one other thing is just a way that you can reach is kind of simple and it's kind of unique to this time is you can reach by doing a few simple things. One is just to like or share uh, some of our social media here at Calvary Church, or even this live stream right now. You can like or share that. Uh, you can also uh, leave reviews. Leave reviews for Calvary Church on Yelp, on Google, uh, other uh, platforms. But we'd just love for you to be able to do that. It's just a way, a simple way of you reaching, sharing your faith and how people can find Jesus here at Calvary Church in that way. And so now we're going to pray for our offering as we give, pray for our missionaries around the world, and then for both Dave and Shannon as they come to share God's word with us today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we look to you in this time, and we pray for, Lord, your provision and your, your care, God, your healing work, Lord, for people around our, uh, just our community and our world that are sick, are scared, 
Lord, also those that are just have their incomes been just decimated and hurt by this whole quarantine moment, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, for your provision for them. God, I pray for your provision for Calvary Church as well here and the ministries that we have going out from this place, both things like this food pantry as well as things like our missionaries around the world. God, we pray for them. We pray for your care for them. Lord, your fruitfulness, God, that they would bear great fruit even during this season for your kingdom. Lord, we pray for our offering as we give. Lord, may you give us cheerful hearts, joyful hearts as we give, even in times where we aren't sure what's happening next. And God, I pray for your word to go forth in might and in power, God, through Dave and Shannon as they share with us today. Lord, we love you. We surrender all of these things to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, I'm Dave Mitchell, one of the pastors here at Calvary Church, home of Calvary Christian Preschool, K through eight school as well. And I'm Shannon Reese. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary Church as well. And we're so glad that you've decided to join us this morning as we dive into the book of Hebrews. Before we do that though, we just want to remind you that we'll be taking communion together this morning. And so if you have some bread and juice at home, go ahead and grab those and make those available for when we do that together. Absolutely, look, look forward to that. Sharing together with you communion this way is a little bit different, but we always wanna remember it's all about Jesus Christ. And speaking of Jesus Christ, today is a wonderful passage. I'm glad that Shannon is with me today, that we can share together because this is a heavy passage. It takes two of us to fully understand it. So we're thankful that you can be part of that study as well. If you have a Bible at home, we encourage you to, to uh, get it out or look on your phone, your iPad, your computer. We're in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 13. You know, we hear a lot about essential businesses these days. I like to think the church is one of those essential businesses, but most importantly, Jesus Christ is essential to all of us. And this passage today really nails specifically as to why Christ came into this world. So it's essential that we understand it as best we can. In fact, it's all about the purpose, the purpose of Christ. In fact, I saw the Alpha introductory course that we saw before the service began. Talked about what's life all about. Trying to understand purpose in life is sometimes hard. Sometimes I struggle. What is the purpose of certain things? I know, Shannon, for you as well. How has it been for you? kind of discovering purpose for your life. Yeah, I think I um, found myself even as a middle schooler, high schooler, asking those questions. God, what did you make me for? What's my purpose in life? And then going on to college and trying to choose a major and trying to figure out how that aligned up with my purpose in life. And mm -hmm. um, even having children, I remember having babies and, and being a, a new mom and wondering, okay, is this my purpose? Is my purpose to raise children who are gonna make a huge impact in this world? Is that the purpose that God's given me? But all of the time I come back to God's word and I wanna see what God has to say about my purpose. Mm -hmm. And I love that we're talking about that today. Yes, yes. In fact, this passage really nails the purpose of Jesus Christ. I'd like to, uh, begin by explaining or at least reading it. Shannon is going to explain it. In verse five, it begins this understanding of who Christ is, why he came. The author says, for he did not subject to angels the word to come concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere, and I, I like that he says that, someone has testified somewhere. Sometimes I can't think of the passage, I can't think of the reference, but I know that it's in the Bible somewhere. So it's kind of a fascinating little add-on there that the author included. He says, somewhere someone has testified, what is man that you remember him? Or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. And I say, wow. 
That's a big passage. Shannon, please help us understand what is being said in this text. Well, I have to admit that on first reading and second and third and fourth, it was a little bit confusing for me. And so it takes some time to really dig in and start to understand what the author was trying to say. And so today, we're going to try to do that piece by piece. These verses that the author is referring to where someone said are actually uh, Psalm 8. We can read those verses in Psalm 8. And Psalm 8 really speaks of the majesty of God and the humanity of man. And one of the tools that rabbis would use when they were teaching was they would bring up a verse or um, a phrase or a word and not give the fullness of what it meant. And yet, because they were speaking, this author speaking to Jewish believers, mm -hmm. they would have remembered the context mm -hmm. of that verse. And so here's a couple pieces mm -hmm. of, of verse that are coming out of Psalm 8. And really, the listener would have heard these words and remembered the majesty of God. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And also remembering the humanity of man, that God has put him for a little while lower than the angels over creation. Mm -hmm. And so it is kind of fun when we're able to piece um, Old Testament with New Testament and see where these verses come from. Mm -hmm. But really what's fascinating is there's a connection to Jesus here that we, we don't readily see it, but it is there. In fact, the very next verse, verse 9, love to highlight verse 9 for you. It says, but we do see him, capital H-I-M, Jesus, who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things, through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. Mm -hmm. So it is taking us now right to Jesus Christ from Psalm 8. Absolutely. Yeah. And here we really do see um, his purpose mm -hmm. revealed. Jesus came to become a man, to live and then die. And he did that for us. Mm -hmm. In Luke um, 24, 44, I know it's one of your favorite verses. I love this passage. Jesus says to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And so we know that the Old Testament gives us a picture of who Jesus was. We don't always know that until we read about it in the New Testament and it's highlighted for us, but we see that this passage in Psalms is also talking about Jesus being that fulfillment. And so as we look at that passage today, um, here in Hebrews, we think about the fact that Jesus really is the author of salvation, mm -hmm. the one writing the story of salvation, the founder, the, the giver of salvation. And we also know that Jesus' purpose was declared by him through scripture, that we see in the gospels, Jesus told us, he said, the son of man has come not to be served, but to serve. He tells us that he's come to seek the lost and we are those lost people. Mm -hmm. We know, he said in John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and he was referring to himself. He gave his only son that whoever would believe in him shouldn't perish, shouldn't die, but have everlasting life. And then the next verse says he didn't come into the world to judge the world and to con condemn the world, but to save the world. Mm -hmm. And if he came to save the world, it must mean that we need saving, and we do, we need that saving because we are a people who are lost. How did this impact you? When did Christ's purpose of saving us enter into your life? Yeah, I was a little girl growing up in Sunday school and hearing these stories about Jesus. And I found myself understanding the reality that I am a sinful person. And that um, even though I hadn't committed big sins that we would maybe categorize as big sins, even as a little girl, that, that I was distanced from God because of the choices that I was making that were selfish and disobedient. And that I needed to take some time to understand fully who Jesus is, that he was a man who was also fully God, that he died on the cross to pay the price for my sin, because sin requires a payment of, of blood to be covered, to be forgiven. And in the Old Testament, we see that with animals, that animals would be sacrificed. Mm -hmm. um, perfect, unblemished animals would be sacrificed 
to forgive sin. And Jesus came and he provided a new and better way. That his death on the cross was the ultimate sacrifice that paid the price for my sin and for your sin. And while I didn't fully comprehend all of that as a little girl, I knew enough. I knew that God loved me, that Jesus came, that he died on the cross for my sins, and that I needed to respond to that. And really, my response was a simple prayer that just said, God, I I understand that you love me, Mm -hmm. that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and that that I want to live in a relationship with you that that, that doesn't have sin as an obstacle. I want to come and draw near to you, God. And and so I receive the free gift of salvation that Jesus has offered because of his death Mm -hmm. and resurrection. And so as a little girl, I did that. It's great you can start early in your journey with Jesus Christ. doesn't mean you know everything, Absolutely. but you know enough to know that Christ died for you and he can become your savior. What about everybody who's listening out there? They could probably become to Christ as well if they've never made that decision. Absolutely. There's plenty of people who, who decide to follow Jesus and don't do that inside of a church building, but they do that at home. And so if you're one of those people today who's hearing this maybe for the first time, second time, maybe it's the 10th or 15th time you've heard that Jesus loves you, that God loves you and that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins, for my sin. And that when we believe him, we can choose to follow him and we can enter into an everlasting relationship with God. If that's something you want to do today, you can do that in the quiet of your home. Just recognize, talk to God, express your heart to him, and tell him you want to receive this free gift of salvation that Jesus has authored for you. If you do that today, feel free to reach out and text us. Mm -hmm. We would love to hear about that and follow up with you this week with a phone call because the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. But we can experience the purpose for which Jesus came and that is to live and die so that we can live with a relationship with him and with God forever. Absolutely. You know, Jesus never wants us to forget the sacrifice that he's given for us. And so that's why, as Shannon mentioned earlier, communion is one of those ways we continue to remember him and he invites us into that. Would you share with us the beginning portion of our communion service? Absolutely. If you have your bread, go ahead and take that with you. We have some bread here that we're gonna take. You know, Jesus didn't want us to forget what he did on the cross for us. And we are forgetful people. And so we come together today, wherever you are, and we bring our bread and we remember that Jesus' body was broken for us. And when we eat this, we remember that. And so I'm gonna pray and when I'm done praying, we'll eat this together. Lord, we thank you so much that you sent your son, that Jesus died on a cross, so that we could live and have a relationship with you. God, we thank you for this bread today. We thank you that it's a reminder of Jesus' death. We don't ever want to forget, but we want to really embrace the fact that we can draw near to you because Jesus has offered us a better way. Thank you for sending him so that we can enjoy eternity with you. We remember you as we take this bread in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hmm. One of the great things that the author goes on to explain to us is how when we take communion like that and remember what Christ has done for us, he also reminds us that we're part of a family. There's something more to this relationship. He goes on and say in verse 11, For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are from one Father. We become part of the community, we're part of the children of God. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. We become part of his family, not ashamed to call us brethren. Jesus, you are my brother. And he he embraces that relationship with us. Saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise, quoting from Psalm 22. Then he quotes from Isaiah 8, of all things, all these passages he's pulling out of the Old Testament. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children whom God has given me. And so there's this powerful community that we become part of through Jesus Christ. He doesn't leave us abandoned, even though our community is sort of spread out 
across Orange County, we're still one person in Jesus Christ, one body with Christ as our head. And so it's a beautiful relationship that this uh, author is inviting us into. So what we've seen so far, Shannon, thank you for setting that up for us, is that Christ came for a purpose. His purpose is that he would come as a man to die on the cross to pay for our sins, to bring us into a community of a church family, if you will. But the challenge for us is this. I'm, I'm still chewing my <laughs> bread. <laughs> the challenge for us is this, that as we begin that journey with Jesus Christ, it's a journey. We still live in a fallen world. It's not always going to be easy. And there's going to be highs and lows. And, and that's the struggle. And that's what the author goes on to explain to us. So I'm going to invite Shannon, would you read the rest of this passage in verses 14 through 18 to understand it better? Verse 14 begins, it says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted." Yes. Dave, there's so much there. Can yes. you unpack that for us? It's a big passage. There's a lot of things that are important for us to know as God's children. Uh, but just remember this. When we begin the journey, as I said, it's not always easy. And the reason it's not always easy is because we have an enemy. And if you look at these passages, you look in verse 14, there's the word therefore. Then if you look in verse 17, there's the word therefore. So why did Christ come into this world? To die for our sins. So therefore, he can do two things for us. And the first is this, that therefore Jesus can destroy the power of Satan, which can cause us the fear of death. Now, let me be very clear. Jesus came and he conquered Satan. But it doesn't mean that he's destroyed all the power of Satan because Satan is still an enemy. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11 talks about us being able to resist the, he calls it the schemes of the devil. The devil has schemes. He has methods. That's uh, the Greek word. We get the English word method from it. He has methods in which he tries to attack us. So Christ came into this world. He conquered Satan, but Satan still has schemes. In fact, if you download the outline that we have for you today off the website, I put on the back of that what we call our little digging deeper times of discussion, specific areas that Scripture teaches us are those schemes of the devil. And each of these passages that I have listed here actually shows you specific ways, vulnerable points in our lives where Satan is uh, attempting to destroy or minimize our faith in Christ. For example, in 1 Corinthians 7, 5, on the back of the outline, divided or broken marriages. And then it references Satan uses that opportunity to undermine their faith. Things like anger that is out of control in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. He says, don't let your anger go down as the sun sets because Satan uses that as a means to impact and destroy our faith. Lies and deceptions in Acts chapter 5. An unforgiving spirit in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul instructs him there. I want you to forgive this person for the punishment is enough. We need to move forward because if you don't forgive him, he says, Satan is going to use that to undermine you. So an unforgiving spirit is one of those schemes of the devil. Uh, false teaching of the, the word of God, physical pain sometimes as the Apostle Paul had this thorn in his flesh that uh, he prayed three times, God didn't heal him. And he says, it was something from Satan to buffet me. It, it caused a humility before him. But sometimes we, we get doubts in our hearts as to why am I not being healed in this matter? And then finally, an unbelieving heart. In 2 Corinthians 4, it talks about Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. So we need to understand, pray against, and invite Christ into those moments that he would teach us, guide us, and instruct us 
to overcome them, to be the overcomers because he came to this world. He came to this world to help us because Satan is an enemy that wants to attack, but the power that he brings to this particular passage here is the power that renders him powerless, Satan is powerless, who had the power of death, that is the devil, that he might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. And what the author is addressing is the power of Satan to cause fear of death. And we never know when that day is going to come for any of us. But one thing that God does not want us to live in is fear. Fear of what's going to happen after I die. And so Satan is being challenged here by Jesus. Because Jesus came to conquer death. And so Satan is no longer able to enslave us. And I know that it's challenging when you reach that end of life. I've had a number of people, Shannon, when people who are biblically illiterate people, they're knowledgeable, they've been in the church all their lives. And I can't tell you how many times at the end of their lives, they're saying, explain to me one more time what's going to happen after I die. Mm. And how wonderful it is to go to an individual. In fact, I was with someone yesterday and shared with them the beauty and the hope that they have because Jesus came into this world to conquer death. That they're not dying and going away, they're simply moving to a new location. Mm -hmm. And God has prepared a place for them. And that's a beautiful promise to be able to give. And that's one of the ways he helps us to conquer death. That we know that I'm moving from this temporal state to that permanent state that is in heaven. That Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And he'll come again and receive us to himself. And so that's part of what he has come into this world to do. He became a man to die for us, so therefore Satan can no longer enslave us to the fear of death. He sets us free from that. And then the second way that he brings this victory to us is in verse 17. It says, therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. He was tempted in all things as we are and suffered in those things, and he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. And so when he talks about being tempted, actually the word is, is really testing us. Uh, as you would take a piece of metal and purify it in, in a melting pot, and the impurities rise to the top, and, and you get the core pure metal that remains behind. God says there will be those days when Satan will attack you, but there will be those days when we will be tested in our faith. Jesus was tested in his faith. We see examples of that in Luke chapter 22, when he would uh, pray and like drops of blood came off his forehead. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. There are challenging times that we will go through. And Jesus said, because, because I became a man, I conquered Satan and his fear of death that he causes in us. And secondly, I'm here to come and aid you when you are tested. Because we will go through times of testing. Even the most faithful children of God go through times of testing. In fact, we have a wonderful example of that. There's a couple in our church, Chuck and Michelle Gustafson. They're a delight. I usually see them right, sitting right down here. And uh, they're such a delight to have as part of our church family. They went through a time of testing here just recently. And we've heard a lot about COVID-19 and the devastation of that virus. Well, Chuck and Michelle both came down with COVID-19, but I'd like for you to hear their story and how what we're teaching here in this passage is so relevant in their lives as well. So let's take a look and listen to Chuck and Michelle Gustafson. Well, I didn't think it was gonna go that way. Uh, when I went on a trip to Utah for business, uh, by March 11th, Chuck had symptoms of, of seeming like a cold but it got worse and worse and worse. Well, mine only lasted five days. It was like a mild cold and was over. Chuck continued to get worse. You know, I was resisting going into the hospital and finally when my fever hit 104 on that Saturday night, I think my wife just, you know, roped me into the car and said, we're going down to the hospital. And I didn't expect when I drove Chuck to Hogue Hospital on March 21st that they were gonna open up the door of my car and pull him out and put him into a wheelchair and leave with me in the car. And I said, what about me? And they said, well, we don't have any visitors. You can't, no one can come in, so you have to go home. As I was <laughs> so shocked, I couldn't even catch my breath. I rolled the window down and I yelled 
out after him as she wheeled him away. I love you. And the nurse turned around and gave me a big smile and said, I love you too. <laughs> you know, that was the last I saw my wife at that point for 20 days. I was in the hospital. They found I had double pneumonia. My, my kidneys and liver were being kind of compromised and I was in a lot more critical condition than I, I even realized. And over the next week, I got worse and worse and worse, and until finally on you know March 31st, they you know I guess the plan was immediately take me up to ICU and put me on a ventilator. I remember being on the ventilator. Suddenly they put this propofol in in me. I was moving around, and suddenly I couldn't even move any part of my body. I couldn't breathe, and that's last I remember for a while. Then I got a call a little bit later in the morning from the doctor uh, saying, come down to the hospital right now. It's an emergency. We don't accept visitors, but they're gonna let you in at the front desk. Just tell them it's an emergency. They let me go in and see him. They had not told me that he was completely under, that he was 100% sedated, and that he would be so as long as he was on a ventilator. I didn't understand that, and I went in, I, I had to suit up from head to toe in a, like a hazmat suit and was allowed into his quarantined ICU room where he was stuck onto this machine with tubes and wires and needles and everything. I'm, I'm glad I didn't have to see that. Oh my gosh, and he'd already lost so much weight. He didn't even look like Chuck um, at all. I, it was so terrifying. and. Um, I went in and held his hand and I um, prayed and prayed aloud over him and I kept telling him all the special things that we need him for, like walking our daughter down the aisle. I, I just kept telling him all those things and um, they let me stay two hours and I left, I mean, really not knowing if I would ever see him awake yeah. again. I, I felt like I was gonna die. You know, I, I knew that people were praying for me. I had said in my mind, I mean, I still remember visualizing it. Lord, thank you for my, for, for Michelle. Thank you for our marriage. I pray for her as, as I die that you'll just be with her. I, I pray for my kids. I had kind of given up hope. And um, I remember the night I was on the ventilator. I don't know what happened exactly, but I saw myself in a room no windows, no doors. There was just this, this, this Jesus, the good shepherd. I was at his feet. There was no light in the room except this radiant light that was coming from God. And I was at his feet and somehow it was impressed upon me. I'm not sure if I actually heard word words, but there was a sense that God said to me through Jesus, I love you, Chuck, and you're not gonna die. Up to that point, I thought, you know, it was, it was over. That night, um, I had that vision, and, and then you knew more what was going on on the sidelines. Well, every day, a couple times a day, I was giving updates as to his condition and asking for prayer, and we had hundreds of people praying for oh, Chuck man. all across the United States and even in other parts of the world. Matt uh, Doan, had spoken to a friend of Chuck's named Joel, and Joel said, I feel really led to pray all night long tonight for Chuck. He was gonna do that, and I, I was so grateful. Well, the next day, Joel told Matt that at 4.30 in the morning, he had a clear message from God to stop pleading for Chuck's life and start praising for his healing. Matt told me that in the morning, and I was so shocked because I, I just couldn't imagine what that could mean. About 15 minutes later, I got a text on my cell phone from Chuck. I almost fell off my chair. I called the nurse's station in the ICU. I said, someone has my husband's phone. And she said, let me go check. She came back and she said, "Hun." Your husband is trying to text you right now. I started screaming. 
praising God, screaming. I could not believe it. When they put him on the ventilator, the respiratory therapist told me it would be at least a week. And he was only on the ventilator 24 hours, and it was removed. We were beside ourselves with joy. The first words Chuck said to us, through the mask, we couldn't hear him, I understand him very well. The first words he said is, I'm not going to die. I had a vision, I'm not going to die. And he wanted us to know that we could stop worrying because he wasn't going to die. And he's gotten better every single day since that moment. It's through the prayers of, of your family, friends, and saints. I needed that reassurance and, you know, and God in this, this time for me, you know, just said, Chuck, you're going to, you're going to live and I think just as important, I love you. All right. Well, isn't that amazing, the story? of God's work. How, how does that impact you, Shannon? That's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, just tears to think that God loves us so much that in that moment he met Chuck and mm. he's going to meet us. Yeah. And yet we don't have to fear death because this is not the end for those who believe mm -hmm. in him. It's, it's a part of, but like you said earlier, it's, mm -hmm. we're, we're just changing our address, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We yeah. leave this earth to spend eternity in heaven with him. Yeah. I love that Chuck was prepared to die. He didn't want to die. I mean, Paul says, I'm, I'm not willing to die either in Philippians, but I know that I have a destination in heaven. And I love how scripture comes alive in a story like this, that there's the fear of death, yes, but Jesus conquers it. And there's a wonderful high priest, Jesus comes to visit Chuck in the hospital and give him that assurance. We need those moments where God reminds us that he's still in charge. And what I love about Chuck and Michelle is that they have a high involvement in a ministry here we call Alpha. You might have seen an introduction to that at the beginning of the service. Chuck was out by his mailbox uh, picking up the mail just recently. And as he was there, anybody that walks by, he shares this testimony, what God has done for him. And a couple of people came by and he said, hey, we've got this thing called Alpha. And he's invited them. Chuck and Michelle have been very active in Alpha. And so, lo and behold, they came and have taken part in sort of the live stream alpha that we're offering these days. So I encourage you to be part of that. But I love the impact that Chuck is having, that God is having, I should say more, more accurately, that God is having through the testimony of Chuck's life. So Jesus visited him, and he wants to visit us as well. I'm reminded of this great promise that Paul gives to us in 1 Corinthians 15, where he says, Oh, death, where is, your, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Christ came to this world to minister to us. And the reason he can minister to us is this one last little phrase that's a little bit cumbersome to understand it. It says, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. That's a mouthful, propitiation. Not a word I use too often, but the idea of propitiation is the idea of satisfaction, to appease God. John 3.36 says that those outside of Christ are under the wrath of God. We don't hear much about that but it's what scripture teaches. But God says, I don't want anybody to be under my wrath. So I sent my son Jesus to take my wrath for you so that I could be satisfied and give to you my holiness. So Christ comes and he gives to us his righteousness and we take our sin and put it on him. And that's the way it satisfies God. He wants us to have a community of holy people that really someday will go into the glory of heaven. So that's the provision of Christ, that he came to provide for us that forgiveness of our sins. And as Shannon said earlier, if you've never come to that point where you've trusted in Jesus, you can do that now, even as we come to the cup. The cup represents the blood of Christ. In the first portion of the passage, it talks about the body of Christ. In the second portion, it references flesh and blood of Christ that offers to us the forgiveness of our sins. So we'd like to remember Jesus in this very special way and again invite you if this would be a decision that you would like to make to say, Jesus, I know that you came to die for my sins and I want your salvation in my life. So forgive me and ask him to be part of your life as Savior 
and then ultimately grow in a relationship where he is your Lord as he would guide you and give you victory over the many challenges that will come along in life and the testings that will sometimes occur, that he would even be with you in those moments as well. So let's remember Christ. Let's remember his sacrifice and the shedding of his blood on the cross. If you have your juice or your wine with you at this time, Jesus said, this is the cup of new covenant, a new covenant that he has with us. And he says to drink it in remembrance of me. Let me give thanks to God for the victory that he gives to us through Jesus Christ. Father, thank you. Thank you that you sent your son in this world, that he became a human being like us so that he could die in our place and take our sins upon his body and that he shed his blood that we could have the forgiveness of our sins and that he can come to be a faithful and merciful high priest that can help us in times of testing to minister to us day by day and that we can have a living, vital relationship with you through Christ and that, Father, you can empower us for those moments when we need it the most. So thank you for your sacrifice and thank you for your ongoing love for us that carries us along through the journey of life as we live out the purposes you've given to us even as you have allowed Jesus to live out the purpose you gave to him. And thank you for all these things as we commit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.